Hey folks, thanks for being a member of the Cafe Insider community. In addition to the Cafe Insider podcast and my weekly note, you also get bonus material from my interviews on Stay Tuned with Preet. This is exclusively for you. Hope you enjoy it. The other most important thing <laughs> that I saw The Economist covered is um, these drugs that would spell an end to the world's obesity epidemic. Do you have any thoughts on that? Actually, that's a really... Uh, that's a really good example of sort of what we've been talking about now, because you're right. We had a cover on that just this week, um, came out last week. And what we wanted to do was point out that not that these drugs are sort of, you know, by themselves, you know, a, an absolute cure all for everything, but that they have they do have huge potential. Now, there are really big questions in terms of, you know, side effects and um, cost, how to make sure that they're accessible to lots of people but you you face a world where it's something like you know 35% of or 40% of the world's population in 2020 was overweight or obese and by 2035 it could be more than half which right, is all 4 the, billion they're all in the US <laughs> no they're not they're not they're not they're not all in the US the populations were actually where where this problem is getting getting worse Fastest are countries like Egypt, Mexico, Saudi Arabia. It's middle-income countries. It's a huge global problem. And it's it's a huge global problem that comes from, you know, modernization. It comes from more sedentary lifestyles. And it comes from, you know, modern food, calorific, processed food. And the costs of it are huge. I mean, I think in that editorial, we said that by 2035, there was a, some economists had modeled that, you know, excess weight would cost something like 2.9% of global GDP. It, this is a big, of course, because obesity, as you know, is causes lots of health problems, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, all manner of things. And so if you can find a way to help address that obesity challenge, and if you can find a, a medical way to, uh, to help it, to address it, it's surely a good thing. Now, we weren't being, you know, Panglossian. There are definitely sort of risks that go along with these with these drugs. GLP one receptor, I think they're called. But at the same time, it's a potentially incredible, you know, medical innovation. And so that's exactly the kind of thing that the kind of it's it's exactly the kind of thing that technological progress can bring you. Huge promise. You've got to be aware of the downsides, but huge, huge promise to a very real, 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 and really big problem. I'm going to go back to the other side of the pond for a moment before we have to end. What is the state of political affairs in the kingdom that is united? How's the how's the new prime minister I doing? I thought you wanted to end on an upbeat note. We should have ended with Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very upbeat. King, well, Texas I think Texas is, is also a kingdom that's united. <laughs> uh, well, look, I can be upbeat about the UK because um, had we had this conversation, I don't know, last September, you would have laughed um, and I would have been embarrassed about what was going on uh, in our you know, country where we had a prime minister who didn't outlast a lettuce, as the world found out. Uh, but now we have um, Rishi Sunak as the prime minister, who is competent. And, you know, competence shouldn't be an aspiration that one strives for. One should take it for granted. But we could, you know, we couldn't take it for granted. And we can't. He is competent. He's turning out actually to be, you know, not bad at all. He just managed to get a deal with the Europeans to sort out the problem of Northern Ireland, rather grandly called the winds of the Windsor framework, uh, but he he's doing okay. Um, he has a chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, who is also a competent technocrat, 
given where we were in September, where, you know, we had, just to remind your listeners, we had this moment of sort of madness in Britain where the very short-lived Prime Minister Liz Truss and her Chancellor decided that um, they were going to cut taxes hither and yon and never mind what the markets thought. It was all going to be, you know, a massive... They basically... You know, they wanted to copy early 1980s Reaganism, but they only read the first part of the book. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Britain is not the US and we don't have the dollar and investors thought, oh, my God. And the markets went haywire and we, you know, narrowly averted a financial crisis. And it was all, you know, complete chaos for a while. Now we have these competent guys in. They are, Britain's also been helped by a warmer winter than anticipated. Um, it's been helped by the sort of general improvement in the global economy. Uh, the, the you know, Even here, the economy, economic outlook isn't looking as bad as I feared it was just a few months ago. But Britain has some seriously big challenges. Um, after Brexit, investment slowed. Um, we've got these barriers now between Britain and its biggest market in Europe. As a result, growth is slow. Productivity is not looking great. Uh, we've got a lot of strikes because um, public sector workers have want higher wages. What's the polling on Brexit these days? Oh, people, you know, majorities regret, now, regret. yeah, yeah, regret. Um, but it's it's uh, you know it's happened. The history books will say it's one of the daftest decisions that the Brits took, um, but they've taken it now, and no one quite has the kind of you know it's it's got to be sort of put behind us. And I suspect you know, almost only we've got an election next year in the same way that the United States has. Uh, if you look at the polls now, the Labour Party is, you know, set to sweep the slate. They are positioning themselves very cleverly and carefully as a sort of centre-left, sensible, competent party. Um, and I'm sure if, as the polls suggest, they take power, they will gradually try and increase ties with the European Union um, to sort of undo some of the damage of Brexit. But it's not going to be as simple as, you know, sometimes people ask me in the US, well, aren't you just going to go back into the EU? And, you know, I think right. Right. <laughs> right. it's not in the short term. There'll be, you know, in, in 10 years' time, the kind of constellation of Europe will look a bit different than it does now. There'll be countries like Ukraine, which will have some relationship with Europe. Britain will have some relationship with the European Union. There'll be new kinds of, this is ghastly word that they use in Europe called variable geometry. It's absolutely sort of technocratic jargon. But it basically means that there's going to be kind of different sorts of relationships between countries and the European Union. And we'll, we'll be somewhere in that constellation. Thank you again for becoming a Cafe Insider. Listen to the Cafe Insider podcast every Tuesday and stay tuned every Thursday. 